It is good to be with you here this morning. I am um, really honored to be part of this, this service as we commemorate some lives that have been very well lived. And uh, they've left us a beautiful legacy, haven't they? And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of looking back over our shoulders is learning from people's experiences and, and lessons and, and not forgetting what has gone before us, right? But walking forward uh, with the wisdom and with the compassion that our loved ones who have gone before us have shown us and left for us. And I think that's really a beautiful way to just stop and remember, especially at this Christmas season. Well, we are going to continue our series on the stories of Christmas. And this morning, I have the privilege of talking to you about Mary's willing heart. And uh, they may have given me Mary because the whole mother-children thing. Um, But I assure you that Mary has lessons for us to learn, even if you're not a woman and not a mom. Um, She is quite the um, biblical character to learn from. So we're going to look at Mary's willing heart and how she helped to usher in the arrival of Christ through her willingness and her obedience. And um, as we do this, I I couldn't help but think when Pastor Crystal said we're going to be doing this remembrance uh, service as well, I couldn't think that how perfect it goes with Mary's story. And the Holy Spirit does that, doesn't he? He lines things up really well for us to just understand and kind of process them a little bit better. And Mary had a a journey of of sorrow and grief and joy and celebration, but she had to hold those things in tandem. So this morning, I'm going to ask the same of you. I'm going to ask us to hold this somber moment of remembrance and grief and also hold in tandem Mary's story of the Christmas advent and the arrival of Jesus and the life of Jesus and all that she walked through with her son. So um, as we go through this, uh, Pastor David and Pastor Crystal both shared about how um, we're in the middle of Advent, right? We had Advent, the first Advent, when Christ arrived here on earth, and then we're in the middle of the second Advent, or waiting the second Advent. So the first arrival of Christ, and now we're waiting for the second arrival of Christ to come back again. And we're in this kind of, this middle, what has been and what's to come. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Uh, But before we do that, can I just pray with you? And uh, we'll start things off from there. Father God, I thank you so much for your presence here this morning. God, thank you for um, just being among us, being God with us. And God, thank you that you came to earth to be with us. You took on humanity in addition to your divinity. And we are so grateful for your sacrifice on our behalf. God, thanks that we can know you as a father, as a friend, as a redeemer, as a savior. All these attributes of who you are are so true and so felt, especially at this Christmas season, God. So help us to stop and remember the first advent, your arrival to earth as a baby. But God, help us to greatly anticipate your second advent, this arrival of Christ as redeemer and savior. We love you so much, God, and I just thank you for every person that's here. I don't think there's any any question that there's a purpose for each person that's here this morning and that there's a reason that they're here this morning, whether online or with us here in person, God, you got a purpose and intention for us here this morning. I'm so grateful for that. So God, may our ears be open to your word. May our hearts be turned towards you. And just, uh, I pray that you would speak through me, Father. God, may your Holy Spirit speak through me this morning as I bring your word. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Well, like I said, we have this uh, beautiful story of Mary, and and I'm going to be reading largely through Luke chapter, sorry, the Gospel of Luke, um, 
And Christmas time is often a time of, of celebration, and for good reason, right? There's family and friends that gather together. It's, it's a really wonderful time for that. It just feels extra cozy. There's generosity that's at an all-time high, and there's lots of food, which is a really nice cherry on the top. Um, but that's not the experience for everybody at Christmas time. Sometimes Christmas means sorrow, and sometimes Christmas means loneliness, and sometimes the Christmas season isn't so anticipated for some people. And we want to make space for both of those things this morning. We want you to know that we want to make space for your grief, for your sorrow, for your heart sickness this morning, because Jesus cares about it. And because Jesus cares about it, we care about it. And as a church family, we are here for you, no matter how you are approaching this Christmas season. Well, when I, um, before we get too far in this aspect, let's go ahead and start in the gospel. It's always a good place to start is in God's word. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 uh, to 38. It's going to be on the screens behind me. You're welcome to use your Bible as well or your version on your phone. Uh, but we'll pick it up in verse 26 here. So it starts and says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. That's a pretty legitimate question to ask. <laughs> the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Lord, word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, this beautiful response, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. There's a lot packed into those 12 verses and so much insight into who Mary was as far as her character and especially as, as to her heart towards God and the things of God and his ways. Here's this young woman, she's a teenager, who's clearly known about the prophecies found in the Torah. She's heard that one day a Messiah would come to rescue his people. A young woman who, like so many others, had waited and anticipated the arrival of a Savior for her people. Here she is. She's a young woman who's honored God with her life and found favor with God because of it. She's now visited by an angel who's telling her that she's about to be a part of the unbelievable. That she would be the one to welcome Jesus in human flesh and to redeem us all from certain death due to sin. She's given this brief explanation from the angel and a purpose and responds, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Now that's how you say yes to God, right? Arms open saying, okay, I'm in. Whatever you have for me, I'm all in. And as a side note, as we think through those 12 verses, I think it's just incredible how God often uses new life the arrival of a child to push forward his plan of redemption and his plan of saving the world. Do you think about Adam and Eve? There's new life there. 
You think about even the flood, the go forth and multiply. There's, there's Abraham and Sarah who has been promised to be the father of a great nation, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and then God gives them this child who will begin this other great nation. And then you think about the barren Elizabeth who's old. They said, your, your elder Elizabeth, your older Elizabeth cousin, she's been called barren, but here she is now getting ready to give birth to John, a man who will grow to be John the Baptist, and we just heard it this morning, John prepared the way for the Lord, right? And now we find Mary, who's a virgin, and yet the miraculous is about to happen, and she's about to give birth to the Son of God. How incredibly cool is that, that God uses this consistent pattern of new life to push forward his plan of redemption and rescue for the world. Well, let's keep reading down. We're going to pick it up in uh, verse, one, uh, verse 46. So Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55. And we're going to find Mary now, who's visiting her elderly relative, Elizabeth. As Mary enters the home of Zachariah and Elizabeth, the Bible tells us that the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped for joy. And Elizabeth begins to speak this blessing over her cousin Mary. She believed that the Lord would keep his promise to her. And to this, Mary responds with a literal song of praise. Again, you just see Mary's heart posture is just so clearly towards the way of God. She begins recounting his goodness towards her, and she speaks of his majesty, his compassion, and she speaks of his reputation through all the generations before her. So picking up in verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy extends for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Again, just recounting God's goodness, recounting God's faithfulness. She never stopped doing that, just saying, like, God, I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I remember these stories of old. Mary's song, which is also known as the Magnificat, is an inspiring piece of scripture. Her words are profound in the face of what she's about to do. And we don't really know how she's feeling about all this right? We, we have this posture of praise and, and worship towards God, but there's got to be that humanity side too where she's thinking, oh wow, I'm going to have a baby and I'm not married. Um, but she just goes for it because she knows that God has given her a purpose. God has given her an assignment to do and she's all in because she honors God with her life. Mary had a heart that was in love with God. She had a heart that was willing to be used by God, and she fully believed that God was going to keep his promises because of how she had seen him work in the past. She embodies this humility and sings and speaks of God's mercy from generation to generation for those who fear him. And she describes this God that she's not just met. She describes the God that she's come to know. And I think that's so beautiful. She's committed herself to being open to whatever the Lord has called her to do and literally responds the angel by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. I always have to stop and, and remind myself when I'm reading through these, these stories in the Bible that I have the privilege of knowing what happens next. I have the privilege of turning the page and reading the end of the story, right? These characters in the Bible, these people who lived before us, they don't have that same privilege. They're living it moment by moment, minute by minute. And yet Mary 
has no idea what's to come, really. She has kind of a rough idea about what's going to happen, but she doesn't know the details. But yet she trusts God. I think Mary was pretty aware of the fact that she wasn't qualified for this assignment, right? She knew where she was from. She knew what her family line was like. She knew that she was a virgin. She wasn't qualified for this fact. And yet she humbly presents herself to God and she trusts God in her humility. And I think that humility piece is so important with Mary because she shows us how to walk humbly before the Lord. And even in the beginning passage, it says she was humble and God honored that, right? In James 4, verse 6 to 10, we see that God reminds his people to get low, to get humble. As we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up. As we recognize our lowly state, who we are, one that is in significant need for rescue, for redemption, we're able to reach up and then trust God all the more and trust that he is with us. But oftentimes we try and skip over that, right? We try and get out of that hardship. And I think you speak about, spoke about that a few weeks ago. Just get me out of this hardship state. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be where it hurts. But those growing pains are so important because in those moments of hardship, those moments of trial, we lean into Jesus so much more. I don't know about you, but I really lean into Jesus in those t- moments of trial. He's the restorer of our hopes and our dreams. He's the prince of peace, the lifter of our heads. This is who God is. And like Mary, you and I are given assignments by God. And sometimes they're big and significant. And sometimes they feel insignificant and small. But they're all so important. And I don't know about you, but I on my own, I'm never qualified for what God has for me to do. Never. He'll ask me to do something and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't do this on my own strength. And so what do I do? I go to God. I ask him for his strength, for his wisdom. And he never fails me. He never fails me. And there would be times where I have a, uh, a situation where I have a conflict with a coworker, or um, I need wisdom on how to help a child who's struggling. I need wisdom on how to be a good mom. If you're a parent, you know you need God's help, right? But there's times where I'll go to him. If my heart is hurting, my heart is aching, I'll go to God. And he never fails me. He's consistently there for us. He's there in our hardship. He's there in our joy. But God is there with us, God with us, right? And I think this is what Mary is speaking of in her song of praise to God when she sings of God's faithfulness and God's mercy. She didn't know what was going to come, but she trusted him. She trusted that God knew what was going to happen next. It was uh, just a little bit over eight years ago. I'm just going to take a sip of water. Um... I was very pregnant with our oldest daughter, Clara, who was reading this morning. And I was about 39 weeks. And everybody said, oh, you're not going to have her like, at the 40 or your due date. There's no way. Like, you don't even look like you're going to have a baby soon. And the baby hasn't dropped yet, which I always get told the baby hasn't dropped yet. And then, bam, the baby comes. So don't listen to that if you're a, a mom. Um, but anyways, we had Jay's grandma's 90th birthday party. Estelle lived to a ripe old age. Um, but she had her 90th birthday party, and so it was, she was living up in Brampton at the time, and, and we decided as a family we should throw Grandma a party because you don't always live to 90 years old, so it's worth celebration. And we got all the family together, all the relatives, the, the grandkids, the nieces, nephews, brothers and sisters, as many people as we could gather together. And Jay and I made our way up to Brampton, and we stopped for a burger, I think it was, on the way up, and uh, we get there, and we're seeing old faces, and I'm meeting a whole bunch of new people, because it's Jay's family, and, 
and uh, my stomach's kind of feeling a little off, but I blamed it on the burger. So um, we continue with the celebrations and we're enjoying the time together and, and we had this idea for grandma that each family should have a photo with grandma. So we had this nice big family photo with all of us together and then we also had um, just more smaller family photo uh, with just our, the Beausart family and, and grandma and um, the photographer was like, okay, on the count of three, one, two, three, say cheese. And I swear it was when she said cheese, my water broke um, in the photo. A little bit too much information, and I'm sorry, but you're here now, so might as well stick through the end of the story. Um, and yeah, there's the picture there. Uh, literally, that was the moment, and my face is smiling, but there was so much horror going on behind that smile, where I'm like, oh my goodness, this is awful. Um, thankfully, I was wearing boots, so there you go. <laughs> um, but I leaned over to my husband, and I said, Jay? my water just broke. And he was like, uh, 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 first time dad. And then I told my mother-in-law and she was so excited. She was like, yes, bring on the first grandbaby. This is good. Um, so we made our way back to grandma's apartment, her little, um, her room, and we borrowed one of grandma's Depends. And I used that. I guess I didn't borrow it because I had no intention of giving that back. Um, <laughs> but we made our way back to Coburg, and if you have any question about the haste of our journey, we took the 407. And if you know my husband, Jay, you know that we don't spend money without reason, and so um, the 407 is never really an option for us, but that day, we took the 407, and we made it back to Coburg, where my doctor was and Claire was born a few hours later. Um, but I tell that story not to give you too much information, but because it just goes to show that sometimes we have these plans in mind, we think we know how it's going to happen. And if you've had a child, you know that that whole birth plan thing never really works out, right? But we have this plan in mind of this is how it's going to go. I've got time, no problem at all, being Coburg, super easy trip. But God has another plan in mind, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And Mary, her adventure to Bethlehem was way more traumatic than mine. Apparently, she rode on a talking donkey, if you're going to base your understanding of Scripture on the star, right? But she traveled to Bethlehem. She gave birth to a baby in like an animal shelter beside some livestock. That's not ideal, right? But Mary, despite not knowing what was going to happen, she trusted God with the journey. She didn't know all this was going to happen. She didn't know that she would then have to watch him suffer at the hands of people who hated him at the point of wanting to kill him. She didn't know what was coming up but she trusted God. She knew that she was called for this purpose, for this reason. She was called to love Jesus and to be his mother, but to hold loosely to him, right? And that's a challenge. She knew that Jesus was ultimately the son of God. She was his mom, but he was the son of God. She couldn't hold tightly to him. She had to love him with all of her heart, but she had to hold loosely to him, knowing that he was God's. God, who loved his son so much to have him take on humanity and fulfill a plan of hope and redemption that started all the way back in Genesis. Even this many, many years before she had to walk through the heartbreak of watching her son be killed on a cross, Mary had been told that this heartbreak was going to come. As a young mom, along with her husband Joseph, Mary brought baby Jesus to have him presented in the temple. And this is a pretty common practice, but there was a, a priest named Simeon who had waited his whole life to meet the Messiah. And the beautiful thing about Simeon's story is that God had promised him that he wouldn't die until he got to meet the Messiah. You can imagine how excited this gentleman was to go to work every day, right? One of these days, it's going to come. 
And we find their story in Luke 2. At the, and at the moment, it's really touching as Simeon's overwhelmed with emotion as he holds Jesus, this baby, in his arms and praises God for his faithfulness. You see this continuing thread throughout Scripture. God's faithfulness is woven throughout our lives. And for keeping his promise to him, Simeon then speaks to Mary, and he starts in verse 35 here. It says, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has sent us a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. As a mom, I know that people, and most times strangers, are very eager to give their advice, very eager to eager to give their insights, their suggestions on how to help you raise your child, what might be next for your child. But this was completely different. This was Simeon not trying to scare Mary, but it's rather affirming what she's already been called to do and foreshadowing what's to come as she raises the Son of God. Like I said earlier, Mary loved Jesus deeply. She was his mom, and yet she had to learn to hold loosely to him. As Jesus begins to grow, we find another time of hardship and heartbreak cover over Mary. A little bit farther down in the second chapter of Luke, starting in verse 41, we pick up their story. And she and Joseph have gone up to the temple to observe Passover, which the Bible tells us they did every year. And at this point, Jesus is 12 years old. So they've been able to give him a little bit more responsibility, okay? A little bit more freedom. Um, And so when the feast of Passover is finished, they begin their journey home. And I picture it almost like a home alone moment. You guys know home alone? Okay, so they've got their, their donkey. you got the donkey all loaded up? Yep, we've got that. Do you have the wagon all filled up? Yep, we've got that. Do you have the kids? Uh, yeah, oh, I don't know where Jesus is, but he's probably with one of our friends traveling back with us. Okay, let's get going, okay? And the Bible tells us that they assumed that Jesus was among the other travelers, among their family and their friends and they were, that they were traveling with. But we're going to pick up the story in verse 45 of Luke chapter 2. It says... When they couldn't find him, because they started looking for Jesus and saying, okay, well, we probably should keep an eye out for him. They can't find him among their friends. They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later. Let that sink in a little bit. A frantic parent looking for your child for three days in a different city. That's awful. They finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding of his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, what have you done to us? I think I would ask the same question, maybe not so nicely. Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. You know, Jesus' response of, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Or there's some interpretations that say, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? It was likely a startling statement from Mary, but one that reminded her of Jesus' purpose and calling, right? Once again, the Bible tells us that Mary stored up these things in her heart. She ponders, she treasures, just like she did the day that the prophecy was given by Zechariah. On the day that she and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, she would need these thoughts, these these memories later on, because there's another time that Mary feels like she's lost Jesus. She's with him as he's carrying a heavy wooden cross up a hill. 
He's not deflecting blame or asking the wrong questions. The son of Mary, the son of God, who carries no guilt of his own, is carrying my blame and guilt on his severely beaten and bent shoulders. His grieving mother stands very nearby, watching him through her warm tears that are streaming down her face. She watches as her firstborn son willingly gives himself for her, for you and for me, as he's nailed to that cross, as he hangs his head and dies, I'm sure Mary felt her heart break. She had lost him again. He's gone. It's finished. Mary would be the only person to witness both Jesus' birth on earth and his death. She was there for both of it. And if you're a mom and you've lost a child, that's an awful, awful thing. And I'm so sorry. He was God's son, but she would always be his mother. And she would love him as dearly as any mother loves a son. The sorrow and the horror that he would face affected her deeply. We all know that when our kids hurt, when our loved ones hurt, we hurt too, right? Almost sometimes more deeply, right? She would see her son go through torture and feel the sword in her gut that Simeon had prophesied about. She had been told this was coming, but you can be told a lot of things and not know until it happens. But she stayed. She stayed committed to what God had called her to do. And it's so hard to, but she knew that God had given her a purpose. She held tightly to it. She knew she wanted to honor God, her Savior. But thank you, Jesus. That wasn't the end of the story, was it? Once again, after Jesus had been lost to her for three days, remember those three days, the news rings out, he is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Yeah, amen, for sure. Imagine the joy, the amazement, the reminders of all that she's treasured in her heart all, this, all these years as she hears that he is not gone, he is risen. All the years she watched her son, who was fully human and fully divine, struggle to choose love, choose peace, choose joy, patience, all the difficult but all the right decisions. All for the sake of rescuing her, rescuing you, and rescuing me. This is the Christmas story, right? Redemption. And it doesn't end at the wise men. It's this glorious story of anticipation for a savior and for a continuing story of the most epic rescue that there ever was. God, the one that created the world, the one that created you and I, the one who loves so vastly because he is love. We know that God is love. He added humanity to his divinity to come and rescue us in our sorrow, in our grief, in our sin, so that we can be filled with hope so that our hearts can be redeemed and made soft again. So that we could say with full confidence that this is not it. We all have this deep longing in our hearts, right? For something greater, and that something greater is Jesus. It can't be filled, unfortunately, with the the return of a, a past loved one. It can't be filled with a better work environment. It can't be filled with a more agreeable child. It can't be filled by a restored marriage or the addition of a significant other. It can't be filled even with the magical appearance of more money in your bank account. Our greatest longing is to be rescued by our Savior. Mary knew this, and she knew this all of her life. She heard about the coming Messiah, and although her life didn't unfold like she had anticipated or planned, she knew that Jesus was with her, and because of that, her rescuer, her redeemer, her Savior had come. And you may be here and you feel exhausted, not just because you didn't get enough sleep last night. But there's this weight on you that you've been carrying around. Maybe it's stress of different family circumstance. Maybe it's stress of work. Maybe it's just the weight of heartache and heartbreak. 
and you feel weighted and you feel exhausted. This thing that was supposed to be just a sprint has turned into a marathon and you really, really would just love to tap out of the race. And I think on some level, we can all relate to that feeling, whether we're there now or whether we've been there before. In Matthew 11, Jesus is speaking to a crowd and he gives the most beautiful, beautiful and sincere invitation as only a loving Savior can do. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my load is easy and my burden is light. This is why Jesus came. His arrival is our part of God's great story, his rescue plan for humanity, a plan that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden and is continually thread through the stories of the Old Testament, the New Testament, stories of people today. He calls us to come to him, and he also comes to us, God with us. This is part of the invitation of Advent. The coming of Jesus is an invitation into God's presence, not just an invitation, but a, I'm going to come to you, too. The advent of hope, the advent of freedom, salvation, and rest, all coming to fulfillment in the arrival of Jesus in human form. Celebrating his birth, we're also celebrating what we have been invited into, which is knowing God and being called by God to bring his hope to others. I mentioned a couple times that God's rescue plan started back in Genesis, which is the beginning of the biblical record. And because of what happened in the beginning of Genesis with Adam and Eve, we're all left with this longing that I talked about a deep longing for something that we can't appease on our own. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God continues to show grace and compassion to them. It wasn't that you've disobeyed me, now leave. He did ask them to exit the garden, but before he did that, he did something. He clothed them before they left the garden. And just as he clothed them to make them ready for the journey, he clothes us. He covers us in his redeeming love of his son, Jesus. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes that we are clothed with Christ. Advent is for everyone who believes, regardless of where you are in that faith journey. If you've made the decision to follow Christ, it's for you. This gift of gospel is for anyone who will receive it. It's a gift freely given by God. For those of you who have been baptized in Christ, who have chosen to turn your hearts towards him, you've chosen to be clothed in Christ. And there's something about being clothed in Christ. And to be clothed in Christ is to say that all that we have done, all that we did that we might feel some shame, some regret, some embarrassment over, those things that mar and scar us, they're not visible any longer. Christ has covered us. He's clothed us. I, um, earlier, uh, last week, um, my kids all had this cold that's been going around that I'm sure some of you have had as well. And um, Elsie, our middle daughter, woke up on Tuesday morning with hives all over her body, like head to toe, everything. And uh, she gets up and she's scratching away and she goes, okay, like I'm going to go to school now. And I was like, no, no, you're not going to school. And she was devastated because she's got an amazing teacher and she's in kindergarten and we all know how fun kindergarten is. So she was just really sad that she couldn't go to school. And she wakes up on Wednesday morning and the hives are still there, but she really wants to go to school now. I said, no, Elsie, I'm so sorry. You still have the hives. We can still see the hives on you. You can't go to school until they're gone. She comes downstairs a little bit later, and she's got her sweater on and her jeans on, and she goes, look, Mom, I'm all dressed. You can't see my hives anymore. I'm going to school. (laughs) And if only that worked, right? If only that worked, 
And it doesn't work with hives, but it does work with Christ. He covers us. It's incredible to think that since we're clothed in Christ, when heaven sees us, heaven sees Christ. How incredible is that? Christ's love, his blood covers us. He sees the presence, the robe of Christ on us. And you know, it's interesting, it's been put forth that the basic human fear isn't death, it's shame. And shame is not that I've done bad, but that I am bad. You own it. Guilt says that I have done bad, but shame says that I am bad. But through his promise of Jesus Christ, God has declared us worthy of being clothed with Christ. And so we can now talk freely about our past. We can talk freely about what we've done, knowing that we don't have to feel shame, but we can feel treasured and loved by a holy God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I, like, that just boggles my mind. We've made bad decisions, but I, I know that I'm treasured in the eyes of God so much that he robes me, just like the father did in that parable of the prodigal son. His son comes home after blowing up his money, doing everything possibly wrong he could possibly do. And he comes up to his dad and he says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And his dad wraps his arms around him and he gets him a cloak and he puts it on him. Just like that, that's what our Father God does for us. He says, you're home. I'm so happy. Come in. And suddenly our story of shame, our story of hurt, our story of failure, our story of grief becomes our testimony of how God's grace rescued us when we felt our very lowest and felt at our darkest. God went low, right? He went to a food dish for animals with a small little town born to parents whose Ancestors.com report was less than stellar. He was born to set people free. Just as the prophecies had foretold, that's what he came to do for Mary, and that's what he came to do for you, and that's what he came to do for me. So if you're here this morning and you feel unseen, know that God hears your cries. He sees your heart. He set this elaborate plan in motion to redeem you, to provide you hope, peace, and life forever. God sees you, he knows you, he loves you more than you can imagine, and it's never too late to accept Jesus into your life and to accept his assignment for your life. You're never too old, you're never too far along on the journey, you're never too marred, too scarred. No way. Jesus is standing there saying, this is why I came. I came for you. Now come to me. Jesus, who put on humanity in addition to his divinity and came to earth as a baby, is the means by which we have restored relationship with God. John 14, 6 says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you and me that we can have inside of us is the same God who is the baby in the manger. How amazing is that? The God who made us would wrap himself in flesh to be with you. And as we close this morning, I want to remind you of something, uh, Pastor Crystal, you said a few weeks ago, or last week, I think it was, that we don't celebrate Advent, we keep Advent. It's a practice. There's a beautiful Christmas carol called Joy to the World, and there's a line in there that says, let every heart prepare him room. And this morning, I pray that as we allow Christ to rescue us from our current situation, that we would begin to move things out of the way to make room for Christ in our lives. Jesus Christ is here with us, speaking through his word, speaking through his spirit. We started with God, and we'll be restored to relationship with God, God with us. You're seeing a common thread here, right? This was his hope and his plan all along. And for those of you who have already recognized Jesus as your Savior, you've already made that commitment to see him as your rescuer, as your redeemer, as your Savior, you might be asking, what's next? 
And I would challenge you that your next step would be to learn from Mary and respond the way that she did. And that would be to say that I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you have for me, God, I'm here for it. And that we would accept the charge to bear the image of God in all that we do. Genesis 1.27 says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And the Bible is basically saying to us that we are image bearers of Christ. We bear God's image. How God is is how we should live, right? The way that we act, the way that we behave towards others, that's how we are to live. That's our charge as Christ followers is to bear God's image. We get to be called to move into these broken places. God doesn't shy away from the brokenness, right? God's there in our lowest points, and we too should be there in people's lowest points to help them see God as Redeemer and Savior. Saying yes to God often, think always, means not knowing what lays ahead of us, but knowing that God is with us. And I think sometimes we view Mary as on like a little bit of a pedestal, and she was a great lady for sure, as we've talked about. But you have to remember she was still a human, right? She wasn't just like lifted up. She was a human, but she chose to have her heart postured towards God and the things of God. And we can learn from her in so many different ways. She kept running her race of faith that we are called to run the same way. And it's hard sometimes, but it's so worth it. If you're here this morning, you've yet to recognize Christ as your hope, your rescuer, your peace, and you want to do that now, there's a redemption story waiting to be written and attached to your name. God's waiting for you. Like I said, he's waiting there with open arms saying, I'm here for you, come to me. I came to you, come to me. And we'd love to pray with you this morning. This room is filled with people who have made that choice already, who are already running their race of faith, who are already knowing what it means to be rescued and redeemed and loved unconditionally because they've experienced that themselves. And so this morning, if you want to make that choice, that decision, please, we would love to pray with you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or ask you to make the decision uh, on your own, but I, I... would like you to pray out loud, and I'm going to actually ask everybody to pray with you, because there's something about just knowing there's somebody else walking this road with you. And it's an important decision, but it's also a very serious decision. So if you're, you're making that decision this morning, please know it is a very serious decision. It will change your life forever. But as Mary discovered, she wouldn't trade it for the world, right? You get to be a part of God's amazing plan. And that is a gift that is better than anything else under the Christmas tree. God's love, God's commitment, God's promise to you to be with us forever, this is something we want to have for ourselves. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. God, I thank you for people in the Bible like Mary, people who show us your way of love, your way of humility, your way of saying, yes, whatever you have for me to do, I will take it. And this morning, God, we're here, and we want to be used by you. We don't know what the next chapter looks like. We don't know what's next. We only know what's before or behind us, but we don't know what's before us. But, God, we know that you're there in it. And so we trust you, Father God. And, God, there's some friends here this morning who have yet to give their lives to you. They've yet to recognize you as a Savior, but this morning they're going to do that. So if that's you, I, pray, I ask that you would repeat this after me. Heavenly Father... I thank you for coming for me, for being my rescuer, my redeemer, my savior, my loving God. 
Today I choose to love you and to follow you in humility and with my whole heart. There's no one else I'd rather know. Thank you, Father, for coming to earth and for redeeming my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I pray that as you journey through this life, that you would hold tightly to Jesus. Know that he is your redeemer. He's your savior. He's your friend. He's the one that loves you more than anything else. And he's got an incredible plan for you. None of us are qualified for it, but with Christ, everything's possible, right? Thank you, guys. Pastor Crystal.